a student of permaculture and a person who knows cheap food is not cheap. Karen Olson Johnson's not able to be with us today. Behind the glass is Hunter. Good morning, Hunter. Good morning. So um, I had something in May, and I thought, oh, that's a long time away, because it seemed like we skipped April, right? <laughs> what happened to spring? <laughs> but summer's finally here, even though we didn't have a spring. <laughs> so um, we're very pleased to have in studio right now Shante Sutra, uh, Francis Bedayong. Francis is the coordinator of the Native American Medicine Garden Gardens and a co-creator and facilitator of Buffalo Star People. Welcome, Francis. Yeah, day. And we are live, so we also welcome your calls. The phone number is 952-946-6205. So, Francis, um, describe the uh, Native American Medicine Garden. The the garden started off of a, a project called Woodlands Wisdom, which was a collaboration between some of the colleges at the St. Paul campus and six tribal colleges throughout Minnesota, uh, North Dakota, uh, and Wisconsin. And what was what they were doing was establishing two-year nutrition programs at the tribal college level. And gardens started at each of the tribal colleges. So the director at the time, um, Barbara Graham, um, she established a garden at, at the St. Paul campus. And um, I took over or came on board in 2005 in the gardens have developed and processed or proceeded, I guess, into what it is now, which is uh, perennial-based, um, looking at a, a food environment that uh, my relatives long ago um, actually sustained themselves off of. Let's talk about a little bit about the indigenous diet. Um, uh, the sous chef um, points out that this uh, this is the original, no process, no sugar, no wheat, no gluten, hyper-local Uber healthy food. Could we go back to that, <laughs> or do we need to? Well, f- and this is something for me. I'm Oglala Lakota, so the diet we have right now, or that I'm ingesting and putting into my body, isn't what I. Uh, for biologically, I, I it doesn't absorb what, right. I mean, we can go into that process, but also, it's not that healthy. Mm-mm. Um, and, and for me, it's looking at what could be, and your question is, can we go back to that? Definitely. I mean, we have the land, um, it's everywhere. Um, we're just following, um, ways of growing and ways of processing food that really isn't healthy. And, um, we're kind of stuck. Yeah, I think I think that's uh, the perfect word, stuck. Um, and yet I see emerging threads. Um, there's a new book out, What's Making Our Children Sick? How Industrial Food is Causing an Epidemic of Chronic Illnesses and What Parents and Doctors Can Do About It. Stats, and these are things we all know. One in three kids now have serious food allergies. One in ten kids have Crohn's disease. One in five are obese. Irritable bowel syndrome? Yeah. Six in 24 kids. Um, incre- increase in migraines, in the juvenile diabetes. Yes. This is all tied to a colonial way of looking at the land. Exactly. For us, it's – and it was – began with the introduction of commodity foods. Um, and that was part of the treaties where the U.S. would supplement our food because of the land they took away. Um, and it's it's just – gotten worse because the other part of this is not just the food we grow, but also what we're doing to the land and the nutrition that's lacking in the food because of the nutrition lacking in the in the soil. All this process has been a culmination of where we're at now. And it's not just in children. Uh, adults are getting the allergies. Look at the mental health issues that um, are part of this also. It's it's the food system. It's the food system. The most prescribed drugs for our teenagers are right now are for anxiety and depression. Exactly. And so this, these outcomes, depression, anxiety, health problems, are they outcomes of a faulty way of thinking and feeling towards the natural world? It's the disconnection. I, I, I think people look at it and, and understand what, what has happened, but it's the disconnection and how how can we get back to it? Most people, 
I, I shouldn't quantify it like most or yeah, few. It's, it's, it's just we as uh, as humans have been disconnected from the soil, from our connection to food, how we grow it. Because most people before, the settlers and my own people, we knew how to do this. We were doing it, and that's how we sustained ourselves because we become do, too dependent right now on food sources, other people growing food for us, and that's scary. And do we have the resources to grow food? I mean, we've talked about before the show, people's lives are so stressed, and now you're telling me I'm supposed to grow my own food? I can't pay rent. I mean, right. you know, how do, how, do we, how do we unwind this? And, yeah, how do we unwind it? I, I think it's, it would be a slow process. Uh, and, I, again, I keep saying slow. It, it's, <laughs> it's going to be what it's going to be. But I think engaging in, in this process of, understanding we can do this. I mean, we have the knowledge. It's just relearning how to grow your own food because the one thing that I feel was the worst thing that we could have done to each other was ask or or put us into a situation that we have, are forced to buy food. The three things we need to exist as humans is food, water, and air. Three or two of those we have to pay for. And so if we didn't, our lives would change. Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't be stressed about a job. We wouldn't be stressed about our car getting to work, things like that. We'd have options. Mm -hmm. And there's enough land. Uh, The myth is there's not enough land to feed the world. 80 to 90% of the the food grown, supposed food grown in Minnesota, goes to feed livestock and is part of ethanol production. You take 10% of that, you could feed the state of Minnesota, mm-hmm. the population of Minnesota, and probably beyond that. So it's it's not that it's not there. It's just that we have become so, um, I don't know, so much in our lives involved in other things. And, and we're worried about food, but it's it's we still have this society in place where it's dictating it's dictating and so we've named the show food freedom for a reason <laughs> right exactly and so tell us about the native american gardens and and you, this is open to the public you got great events where is it located how how do people sure. connect with it um you can get a there's a facebook page it's umn native american medicine gardens my information is there my email and phone number so you can contact me if you want to get involved volunteering we welcome volunteers all year we have a garden listserv that if you want to give me uh, email, we can put your email on and you can get a schedule of events when I'm there, workshops, um, and a list of information like soil health, uh, microbes, rock dust, all these things. So we put out a lot of information um, on that listserv. And one of the things that um, you and others are working on is a, a a list of plants, a call for a community-wide effort to help um, local Minnesota plants that have not been able to thrive with us, that are endangered. So tell us about this effort. So my vision for the garden and others, the elders I talk to, um, is to bring back our food sources, which um, aren't necessarily the squash, corn. Um, it's part of that. But the bigger part of it is the perennials. So I started a while back, and this is before I got to the garden, looking at what food sources and what medicines were part of the perennials um, because perennials are very important to the landscape, oak savannas, prairies, um, everywhere. Uh, the woodlands. So we have an opportunity to bring back, um, right now we're looking at between twelve and 1,500 different perennials. In, twelve and 1,500 yeah. different perennials. And the ones we're focused on mainly, not, yeah, mainly right now are the endangered, threatened, and of special concern species because in order, I mean, we want to save them. And yeah. so we want to put them into this garden in the surrounding woodlands, so um, to save can, the seeds. Can and people stuff like help that. you with this? Yes, and so if 
there's a list on the garden listserv, and I'm updating it probably every two to three weeks as we get seeds and plants from and I, I'm others. Just, I'm just because 1,200 <laughs> to 1,500 different plants. And I saw yeah. that list, and it was just – it was so moving to see that list, to see those names. Thank you. And and the other part of this is – so anyway, so when you get this, this list and you have seeds that are available that you have um, – Please contact me, and we can make some arrangements um, with the plants or the the seeds. But the other part of this is studying them and bringing them uh, to an awareness to others the food sources and the medicine sources of these. So we we have students and community members that I'm very thankful for that have helped in this process of um, bringing back you know a list of not just the plants but the uses and and how we can make them available to others. So for me also, just to to, uh, interject this, is that I don't believe in selling food. Um, So anything in the garden is free and available to anybody that comes out. And I want to make people aware of that because if you are lacking food, please come out because it is available. Please come out if you're lacking food. (laughs) It's it's food without the dollars. Um, we're we're gonna we're gonna take a break. We are live. Time for your calls nine five two nine four six six two zero five. When we return, we'll talk about what are Buffalo Star people, microbes, and spirituality. This spring, the early bird gets more than the worm. They'll also get triple savings from standard heating and air conditioning. That's right, you can triple your savings in April when you purchase a new furnace and air conditioner. Go for the HVAC hat trick by saving up to $900 three times. Take advantage of utility rebates, manufacturer rebates, and April savings. April is the only month Standard Heating is offering the HVAC hat trick triple savings, so don't wait. Details at standardheatingdeals.com. Some restrictions apply. Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, the comfort you deserve. Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coo. Finding the best foods the Twin Cities has to offer is easy with EatLocalMinnesota.com. Offering the top local and independently owned restaurants, EatLocalMinnesota.com has everything from burger joints to cocktails and fine dining. Crooner's Lounge and Supper Club invites you to check out their beautiful facilities for your next special occasion. Book your wedding reception, retirement party, business dinner, or other special event with confidence, knowing their expert staff and award-winning chef will make it a big hit with your guests. Call today to get a quote, 763-571-9020. Lowry Hill Meats, located at 1934 Hennepin Avenue in Minneapolis, are friends with their farmers. Relying on regionally sourced, clean, quality meats, they take pride in their aged beef, skin-on pork, house-made sausages, and air-dried poultry. Their house-made sandwiches should not be missed. Find them online at LowryHillMeats.com. Imagine a world where no one ever went hungry. Where you didn't have to choose between clean air and clean water. And where bitter, drunken comedians didn't have to work in small, dark clubs to tell you how severely screwed up everything is. If that kind of world scares you the way it scares us, then we can help. We're StandUpRecords.com. We offer the finest in CDs, DVDs, and merchandise from the best stand-up comedians on Earth. So please give generously. And remember, together we can't save the world. Yeah, no, we can't. So you may as well just buy something funny. That's StandUpRecords.com. Hi, it's Tom Hartman. You know, Continental Diamond is special for a lot of reasons. The owners are Jimmy and Helene Pessis, a husband and wife team who had a dream to open their own store more than 30 years ago. They built a business that is the gold standard. The readers of Minnesota Bride Magazine have named Continental Diamond the best jeweler for the last seven years. Why? Amazing, friendly, no-pressure customer service, a selection of fine diamonds and design jewelry unlike anywhere else, and the fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies are pretty great, too. Continental Diamond in St. Louis Park and at ContinentalDiamond.com. Come on, 
So welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant the seeds of change. Karen Olson Johnson is not able to be with us today. We are live. We welcome your calls, 952-946-6205. The number for to call in is 952-946-6205. In studio with us is Shante Sutra. Francis Barayong, and he's the coordinator of the Native American Medicine Gardener and the co-facilitator of Buffalo Star People. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Okay, <laughs> so you. what – describe Buffalo Star People. So Buffalo Star People, uh, Barbara, my partner, and I, she was the director of Woodlands Wisdom. Um, she's a, a clinical child psychologist. She graduated from the U of M. I am a survivor of child sexual abuse. Uh, so when we first met and talked, we had a common ground, um, healing. So Buffalo Star people developed um, through our conversation, but also working with others in our communities. We actually worked on a project in Pine Ridge where gardening wasn't really going in, uh, wasn't flowing through the, the natural process of planting taking care of in the harvesting through about 500 different gardens. Um, most of them didn't go through that. And for me, it was, and others, it was observing the interaction of us, the garden, other people, and understanding where we were at. And we were all hurting. Well, the trauma that is on in the indigenous community is um, at epidemic proportions. Suicide rate is high. Um, the getting back to what you brought up before, uh, the diabetes, the food issue problems, allergies, all those issues are, are relatively really high. But the the thing we understood most is that the trauma that we hold as individuals, but also the historical trauma, plays on us every day, and that's the state we're in. So. For me, I was healing um, before we met, Barbara and I met, and we were both learning what she was doing, what I was doing in, in the healing, and, de- and she helped develop a curriculum based on Western science and studies she did because they have the healing and inclu- incorporating that into our cultural way. So we developed these healing circles which are are closed healing circles that um, whoever comes forward is part of that. And we open it up for really it's storytelling, getting the the trust, getting the safety there so people can tell their story. And it's a matter of really in what I was told um, through Barbara and others, it's I myself and People heal on their own, but the support there and, and helping them do that um, needs to be there so that they can heal. So for me, it was really um, reparenting myself and bringing those traumas forward in a way that I didn't have to deal with them like I was um, because I was going through trauma every day every night um, for years. And so I wanted to do something different and I wanted to do something for my people. And that is focused on healing because without healing, and this, this includes not just indigenous people, but everyone, without healing, it's hard to do anything. And it's hard to just to maintain. Um, the suicide rate is high in us, but it's also high in farmers. Farmers have one of the highest suicide rates. Yeah. So um, there is a suicide hotline. And I, sorry, I don't have the number at hand, but the number always gets answered. And it doesn't have to necessarily be if you're in a suicidal state. You can call just if you want to help others, you know, what direction you can take. Um, They're they're very helpful in other areas also and can guide you in in those states because as a society, as a human race right now, we're very unhealthy. Very unhealthy and not rational and not very kind and and I so on on Wednesday you were at the University of Minnesota and hour long presentation on microbes and spirituality where you just were 
mm. opened up and it was it was yeah. a very meaningful space that you created because of that openness with trauma. Well, I appreciate that. Do you think when we face our trauma, we're able to heal other people's traumas? Yeah. I mean, it, it, this is the, I know it's not probably the correct word, but it gives people permission to open themselves up because for me, it's always been, yeah, I, I am healing through this with how I'm talking that I, I get to have the sage stage, so, so to speak, um, in this. It also helps me, but for me, it's more so of giving people their stage and their, their ability to open up. Uh, I wouldn't have that any other way. It's my responsibility. I'm, I'm at a path in my life that I'm healthy enough that I can hear those stories. And I want to because it gives people an understanding that their story is true. That, and that's one of the, the worst things that I went through is people not believing me. And so letting people have that opportunity to be believed is one of the most important things I could do for anybody. Is that listening? And then you've talked and about listening. listening. Yes. How does this connect with microbes and spirituality? <laughs> so my work with the gardens, and I'm a landscape designer, so for 20-some years I had my own business and w wanted people to have their own eating environment <laughs> instead of the, the usual landscape. So I got involved with microbes very heavily and understood them. We, um, as a culture, we know we have our sciences, and, and that was part of it. You know, my cultural teachings is I'm aware of these things. Western science, as as it is, they started studying these things, and and so microbes, it, it's a new study, and it's it's not that we're anywhere near knowing everything about them. And through healing, it was, it's been really something that I cherish and that I've been able to be part of that I can help Mother Earth heal at the same time I'm healing. So that connection with microbes, we all have microbes in us. Every living being has microbes. So we're always connected by these. And we have a medicine wheel that has us as human beings are in this state, but it also includes spirituality. So it makes up the physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. There's no disconnect. So the spirit of us is the spirit of our microbes. That's how I think. And that's my opinion. In and <clears throat> um, So deep cultural impact. Uh, yes. Our deep culture impacts our personal lives and the whole ecosystem of the planet. And one of the reasons we're causing so much trauma on the planet is because we haven't dealt with our own trauma. Right. And so when we don't deal with ours, look at what we're doing to her, meaning Unchimaka, Grandmother Earth. She has a spirit of her own. And we've been hurting that and toxifying that. So she can't, I'm not saying she can't, she just really has a hard time in doing what she's been doing for us, yeah. giving us life. Time for us to wake up to our verbness. That's what we're going to talk about, and that in the farm bill. Um, you're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Time for your calls. Seward Co-op, serving the community for nearly 45 years, invites you to shop their two convenient locations, both offering the strong commitment to local producers and healthy foods you've come to expect. Seward focuses on locally grown and raised products, fair trade, and environmental sustainability. Shop their selection of meats, artisan cheeses, and house-made baked goods. Find Seward at 2823 East Franklin Avenue or the Friendship Store on 38th Street and 3rd Avenue in Minneapolis. More at seward.coo. Hi, I'm Dr. Scott Shamblot from Shamblot Family Dentistry. We're the fear-free, get-you-out-of-pain-now dental office. And I'm Rachel Shamblot. Did you know a lot of people are afraid of the dentist? You don't need to be afraid of my dad. He makes going to the dentist comfortable and even fun. We don't care if you're a dental regular or haven't seen a dentist in years. We just want to make you comfortable and get you out of pain. If you don't see my dad, please see another dentist. Take care of your teeth because they're the only ones you get. Call 1-800-FIX-MY-TEETH or visit fixmyteeth.us. 
Hi, this is Gregory Rich from Habitation Furnishing and Design, and I'd like you to tune in to a new program, Drink in the Style. Sundays at 5 p.m., Drink in the Style is going to be a one-hour conversation about interior design and aesthetics, all while enjoying a cocktail created by a local mixologist. Drink in the Style, Sundays at 5 p.m., brought to you by Habitation Furnishing and Design. Kevin Ross here, inviting you to our brand new store called Ambibulous. What does Ambibulous mean? It means one who enjoys alcoholic beverages of all sorts. Ambibulous is a Minnesota maker's market. Unlike traditional liquor stores, we feature only craft beer, wine, and spirits made here in Minnesota. We are ready to guide your selections, where you can build your own four or six packs. Find us at 949 Hennepin Avenue East in Northeast Minneapolis or online at ambibulousmn.com. Saturdays at 1 p.m., you have a chance at a fresh start, a new beginning. Hi, everybody. This is Freddie Bell, host of New Beginnings. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, spirituality, and even entertainment. Every day is a chance for a fresh start. Join us Saturdays at 1 p.m. for New Beginnings with Freddie Bell on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. At Warner Stellion, we love appliances and our customers. They demand the best, and we wouldn't have it any other way. In appreciation, we put hundreds of appliances on sale at our lowest price, which we guarantee. Now through April 30th, choose from laundry pairs, dishwashers, French door refrigerators, grills, and more kitchen suites than you can count, all at our guaranteed lowest price. Our trusted delivery and installation specialists will get your appliances delivered and installed fast and right. We're Warner Stellion, Minnesota's appliance specialists. With your AM950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for sunny skies today with a high near 57, tonight clear with a low around 36, Sunday sunny with a high around 69, and Monday partly sunny with a high around 81. Specializing in Szechuan and Peking dishes, the Great Wall Restaurant has been providing a delicious taste experience of authentic Chinese cuisine since 1981. And they have takeout available too. The Great Wall Restaurant's located just north of 50th in France. Details at eatlocalminnesota.com. This is This is Laura with Food Freedom Radio. This Farm Bill update is Josh Wise, Director of Development and Communication for the Institute of Agriculture and Trade Policy. Josh, what is the worst part? This is a tough question. What is the worst part of the Farm Bill that passed um, the House A Committee this week? Well, it's really hard to pick just one. It is. Um, I mean, could it be the unlimited has- farm subsidies for big egg? <laughs> Uh, well, that's, that's definitely part of it. I mean, you know, it's, uh, the, the Farm Bill has always been a marriage of farm programs and food and nutrition programs, and both sides of that bill saw uh, some really bad things happen. Um, on the farm side, yeah, subsidies for big ag, but then also elimination of the conservation stewardship program for farmers who want to do the environmentally responsible thing with their land. Um, on the food side, the implementation of work requirements for uh, food assistance is going to could potentially kick a million people off of that program. A million people kicked off of food assistance. That's that, potentially, yeah. But if you had and you needed government help to buy eight hundred houses, then that would probably be okay, right? I'm sorry, that's you commentary. Know, uh, <laughs> the, so, we have a lot of perverse incentives in the federal budget. Let's right. Just, uh, but let's talk about the process, because that's something that people may not really understand. So was there a substantial Democratic debate in terms of this process to create a farm bill? No. In fact, the Democrats boycotted the process altogether. The farm bill is one of the last pieces of uh, legislation that has historically always had strong bipartisan support. And this year, the Republicans decided to just go it alone. Uh, so the Democrats um, didn't offer any amendments and markup. They just boycotted the whole process altogether because they were completely shut out. Okay. So half of our farmland is expected to transfer ownership in the next uh, decade. Does this proposal help small independent farms and food sovereignty? Uh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> 
Um, it, you know, there were a lot of uh, very small but mighty programs that were completely zeroed out um, in the program, and a lot of them had to do with rural development, uh, support for beginning farmers, and making the transition to a more sustainable uh, me- method of production. So we really went backwards in terms of um, those programs, and, and in fact, they want to eliminate them altogether. Okay, so how can people learn more about it, and what can people do? Uh, well, there is a, there's a coalition website that the IATP is part of called uh, betterfarmbill.org, where you can read all of the uh, statements that uh, advocacy organizations have put out opposing the Farm Bill. Um, and you can definitely sign up for updates there. Uh, I would encourage everyone to call their senator at this point, um, because the Senate has yet to release its version of the Farm Bill and tell them that the, the House version is a non-starter and that they need to protect conservation, they need to protect uh, food security, and they need to stand up for farmers. Thank you, Josh Wise, Director of Development and Communication, Institute of Agriculture and Trade Policy. This is Laura with Food Freedom Radio. So we did tape that yesterday, and uh, we are live right now and ready for your calls, 952-946-6205. Francis, um, with the Native American Medicine Garden, can you tie this together, connect the farm bill to um, how we relate with each other and how we relate with the planet? I'll give it a shot. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> kind, of, kind of hard question. <laughs> um, I think one is we've – become really dependent upon somebody else making decisions for us. And especially those that are, are not involved um, at that level of raising their own food, like farmers, like ranchers, uh, like us as indigenous people, um, they're not connected to the land base. So they're not really seeing the effects of the bills they pass, things like this. Um, in for the long run, because we're dealing with it every day, and so our connection is more of how we develop this in our communities. And there's something that you asked when we were just chatting. Um, I want to answer is that how do we do this? How can we do this as individuals? Do do things differently. You know, really look at what you're eating, where you're getting it from. Instead of getting this from the world, um, you know, like local, buy local. Support those that are really actually growing food, not commodities. I'm not, I mean, this is the difference I have is unfortunately farmers have been put into a situation, as I see it, that is really hard to get out of sometimes. Right. And corporate farms are larger. We, I live right across the street from one. And I see what happens with it every day and what, how it affects the environment. So for me, that's another trauma. And I want to hit on this because I, I want to make sure I, I have people understand. I have a mental illness. It's PTSD. And I, I developed that, or I, however it's said, when I was six years old. It wasn't diagnosed until I was 31. Mental health Mental illness is an illness, just like cancer, just like heart disease. It's been put into the society and is seen as taboo or it's just, you know, you get over it. People need help. We need to see each other in a way that with mental health or mental illness, it's a sickness. It's just like anything else. If you have the flu, you go into the doctor. Please, if you have some uh, a mental illness or you are aware of others that have it, Try and get them help. Try to seek help. And, and you're talking about this with you on the presentation you did on microbes and spirituality. And right. one of the things I found so moving that you said is greet each other. Yeah. <laughs> we don't see each other anymore. Um, and I take this for an example. Walking through the University of Minnesota, we don't see each other. We don't say hi. We don't say how we're doing. So if somebody's in the state of panic or a state of trauma, they're overseen. Uh, and that just isn't at the University of Minnesota. That's not every camp. That's all campuses, but that's in our own communities. We know people are hurting, but we don't want to step in and say, how are you doing? Because then we have to do something. We need to do something. 
we need to be human again, humane to each other. And I know this is going to seem like a jump, so I want to make sure I sure. go nice and slowly. But because <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, I've got this great book, Braiding Sweetgrass, and she talks about how our language, the English language, is so dominated by nouns. Like seventy percent of our language is nouns, yes. whereas yours and her language is dominated by verbs. Yes. How does that impact culture and relationship with natural world and eating food? It's it's an emotional based language also where, you know, Robin talks about it um, in ways that people can understand. And so do we. And what I, what I try to have people understand about our language and our culture is that we see things, uh, we're connected to things, and we interpret things in that emotional state, not that this is who you are and, and state a name and label it. It's this interaction because that word or that language is a, a relationship developed between, let's say, me and a milkweed plant. I have that re- intimate relationship with them where they're talking to me too. Mm-hmm. And they need to understand me as I understand them. And that relationship flows. So we see each other differently every day. So it's not this stuck, you are this, and that's it. It's a flow of, of language, and it's a flow of emotions and a flow of interpretation. And it, it's uh, it's both an exhilarating and a calm way of being. Yeah. You're part of it then. You're not – I'm not dictating what this plant is. It's telling me what it is. Mm-hmm. And the same for it with me. I'm telling it who I am, not – letting it, you know, dictate who I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. I, I guess that's the and way I, I have can explain a, it. I have a little example right now going on in my garden. My wild, my walking onions are, onions are like a walking Egyptian. I love them. I've had them for 17 years and they're just wow. all over the place. And now they're telling me, uh-uh, this is no longer the place for this guy. This is my place. <laughs> and I'm like, go for it. <laughs> I love exactly. them. But I, so I want to get in a little bit to this noun objectification thing, externalizing, um, often, um, uh, often binary. Um, and so one of the big nouns that we're living with that impacts our life is are you a boy or a girl? Right. Is that Does that exist in your cultural language? Not necessarily. In the, in the old language, it didn't. Um, some of the newer language, yeah, there's definitions because for whatever reason, I think it more, more so is because of colonization and what has happened, the missionaries, uh, religious, um, missionaries coming in and telling us how to be, um, right. really, and taking away that language that we had for each other. If you really look at biolo- biology and really interpret our way of life as living through a culture is, we're two, all of us are two spirit. I have female and male in me. And that's how actually we were born or created as female and we're washed with testosterone. I think it's within four to six weeks. And that develops the parts or not parts. So to me, it's just this labeling again and trying to identify instead of letting people just be. Right, and right. And let him this flow and then like there's a lot of judgment to that. Oh, there's so much judgment. And I know I was joking with someone, you know, because this is white shame. I mean, for me, it's I think one of the shame points is are you a good girl or a bad girl, which is all a noun. So instead of saying you're this or you're that, tell me, you know, I need a softer voice or I need some space or, you know, tell me what you need. But if you use that label and it, it is really when you start getting some perspective on it, it's epidemic that we do this to each other. It's like we're nouning each other and objectifying each other. Yeah. And, you know, how and, do we create something better? Well, it's again, again I mean, we're, we're dictated by society. And I will say this. I know people with especially European background, bring up the white guilt and stuff. I don't see the color, um, but it is it is there. It's more of a patriarchal supremacy that we're dealing with. It's a narrative that is put, put into place, you know, centuries way before. And, and for us, we've dealt with this, you know, in the past three, four hundred years, and it's changed our way of looking at things too. And it's switched our cultures, so it's dominated by what you're what you just pre- presented, and that lays judgment 
on everything yeah, we're and, doing. And how to create our own stories. Yeah. And, 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 and it's truth-telling, right? And Which right. is what you were doing with telling your story of childhood sexual abuse, your truth-telling. Right. And so what you, know, and what you asked is how do we change that? Do it as an individual. Uh, and, and I know it's more difficult than it sounds. I get that. But it's that healing component. It's if you can find healing wherever you do, but start learning that, you know, how these things work doesn't mean it's the way that it should work. So how I interpret myself and how I show myself is different now than it was two weeks ago. Because that night, there was the first time that I showed people all of who I was without yeah. having to be judged because I didn't care. It was more of, you know, that state. And I got to get to that. That's great. You're listening to Food Freedom, uh, this perfect song. Long time we have, <laughs> can, can we remember that? Yeah. Food Freedom Radio, AM 950. Tap, taste, and treasure at Vinaigrette, where we have some warm seasonal recipes all ready to create dynamite meals. Our fig balsamic vinegar pairs perfectly with roasted Brussels sprouts or baked brie. And sweet potatoes are always a winner, but never more than when they're roasted with a drizzle of vinaigrette cinnamon or orange-fused extra virgin olive oil on top. Come in today for more custom-crafted food and cocktail recipes at Vinaigrette, 50th and Xerxes in Minneapolis, and 287 Water Street in downtown Excelsior. Online at vinaigrettemn.com. Burger Mo's is the perfect neighborhood gathering spot before and after Excel Center events or anytime. Mo is serious about burgers, offering 20 fresh, never frozen varieties. Burger Mo's also offers delicious appetizers, soups, salads, as well as unburgers, dogs, paninis, shakes, and desserts. Not to mention more than 60 beers on tap and happy hours twice daily. Burger Mo's is located at 242 West 7th Street in St. Paul with plenty of free parking and online at BurgerMo's.com. Six years ago, Dr. Emily Stein was confronted with a life-changing situation. Her grandmother developed rheumatoid arthritis and was unable to maintain her own dental hygiene. Unfortunately, her assisted living facility didn't have the resources to help her maintain her dental health either. Once her dental health deteriorated, her overall health deteriorated too. It wasn't long until she had multiple tooth extractions and a severe stroke. That's when Emily put her Stanford background in microbiology and immunology to work. She created an oral care lozenge, or Smart Mint, that manages oral bacteria to promote strong teeth, healthy gums, and fresh breath. Daily Dental Care is a life sciences company dedicated to addressing public health by targeting the root cause of dental disease. Because let's face it, we all could use a little extra help supplementing our daily dental care routine. Visit dailydentalcareswithans.com or go to Amazon to purchase our lozenges and use promo code DDC95502 for a 25% discount on your first purchase. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Daily dental care lozenges are not intended to replace daily dental hygiene practices. The fine folks at Common Good Books will help you find the perfect book for you or the book lover in your life. Find a huge selection from a locally owned and independent bookseller in the Twin Cities. They are always bringing in top authors from around the globe for special in-store events. Open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Sundays, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Find Common Good Books at 38 South Snelling Avenue in St. Paul or shop online at commongoodbooks.com. With spring, it's car wash season. Thank goodness for the Luther Advantage program from Rudy Luther Toyota. Not only do I save 10 cents off per gallon of gas at holiday station stores, but I also get big discounts on car washes. And with free two years of maintenance with every new Toyota purchased, I can get my oil change and spring service done with the best service and maintenance department at Rudy Luther Toyota. Clear your spring checklist with great service from Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169. So uh, welcome back to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant the seeds of change. Karen Olson-Johnson's not able to be with us. Um, but we've had an awesome conversation. I'm really enjoying this conversation with Ashante Sutra Hart. Um, I want to get to the meaning of your name, but Francis Bedellion. Hello. Hello. But I also wanted to tell a little bit of the story. I almost had a tragic event this week uh, from cooking. <laughs> I almost killed my dogs by baking. So, But Hunter, you've tasted what I made. What did it taste like? Um, it tastes kind of like uh, blueberries. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Because there's, a, my, I've got my homegrown raspberries. So, um, but I instead of using sugar, I use something called xylitol, which is great for humans. 
but absolutely deadly for dogs in even very, very small doses. And I had no idea about that. And I, I gave him the message. Unfortunately, I was around someone who recognized right away. And so we rushed them to the vets and had them vomit. But um, we actually measured how little xylitol it would take for the dogs to die. Right. And uh, um, hopefully we're all okay. There's not liver. But so this whole food thing is so personal, isn't it? Yes. One, in getting back, well, we could talk forever. Oh, yeah, we could. <laughs> and, but the things that people can do, and I'll just point out what I've done and and still trying to do because I still have things I deal with, especially food issues. Um, that's one of the issues that came about with um, the trauma and things I dealt with. But learning the, that connection and learning your food intimately is something that people can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really getting back to it because a lot of the – and this goes back to nutrition and th- things. But a lot of the food sources don't have the high nutritional value. So it's better to do get organic, get those that are using a lot of the amendments to the soil, healthy soil, healthy food. Um, is the way I see it. So like what you used in the cooking, I mean, there's natural plants that that can be used just directly instead of, you know, the processing of things. So it's a matter of just learning uh, and you can do that. Yeah. And uh, so at the Native American Medicine Garden, Garden, there's also this partnership and people can show up and re-engage Yes. And so tell us about your events. And I do have some of these details if you want. Sure. Um, One of the things that we've been able to do this past year, year and a half, and continue through this year is that we are host site to Backyard Phenology, which is uh, looking at um, actually the seasons of growth, um, but phenology, but it's more so collecting data and um, just really. Uh, I guess I have a short time to explain, but I just don't want to go into it. So all the events are free and they're open to the public. So on Thursday, May 10th, it's Indigenous Roots of of Sustainable Forestry. On Thursday, May 24th, so it's like every other Thursday, Mm -hmm. Native American Perspectives on Land Use and Environment. Um, On on Thursday, June 7th, is Language Revitalization and How It Connects Community to Well-Being. Um, And then on the 21st, Sustainability Studies. Right. So we we host the events, um, something I, I was given and honored to do that I can bring in presenters and a lot of indigenous um, people working on different areas that are vet, really important as well and let them discuss and present what they're what they're studying, what they've come through and the, the things they're working on. So that's part of it. That's backyard phenology, and that's those are events usually every other Thursday, and we post them again on the garden listserv and the Facebook page and other on the men in listserv and different areas. We also have what I put out my schedule on, on the Facebook page and on the garden listserv, and also opportunities. We're going to hold workshops on soil health, soil rebuilding, um, what is rock dust. Um, how to get a population of microbes that doesn't is cost very little. Actually, it's the cost of a cup of uh, white rice. <laughs> so we get to show other things that we've been doing and how people can actually get involved in growing their own food. Great. I want to make sure I get an event that's going on. This is taped on Saturday and it's replayed on Sunday. But Saturday, if anyone wants to, um, from 4 to 7 at 225 Thomas Avenue is the Green Garden Bakery kickoff. And Green Garden Bakery um, is a youth-run business in North Minneapolis, and they're crowdfunding right now. They have a new kickoff campaign at pieshell.com. So that's pieshell.com, and it's Project GGB, which is for the Green Garden Bakery. Um so now if people want to find out more about how to connect with you, how do they do that, Francis? Um, it's the Facebook page, UMN Native American Medicine Gardens. I will give my email. It's F as in Frank, B as in boy, E-T-T-E-L-Y at umn.edu. Contact me. I can get you on the listserv that we have. You can uh, – we can – 
you know, message each other and then volunteer opportunities are always available. And again, I don't have to be there. The garden is right across the street from the new Bell Museum. Um, it's open all the time. <laughs> so anybody can go out there, just be part of it. Just sit and think whatever they want to do. And let's, let's connect. We only have a few minutes left, but let's sure. connect the conversation of mental health and connection with nature. We've lost it. We've lost our – actually, the way I see it, and this is something that I, I wasn't doing either because of the state I was in um, with the mental health issues and the illness I had and still have but have healed through it, is that I forgot my connection to life. I wasn't living life. I was in trauma but also working, you know, focusing on all the things to sustain – Myself and my family, and and it's, it's very difficult when we're put in that state. We forgot what we're here for. Forget what you're. I know. I was talking to someone who was renting. I was like, "Oh, you're yeah, on a vicious treadmill." It's like it's not a vicious treadmill. It's like one of those machines where you spin and you're 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 thrown off. I mean, the whole economic yeah. system is just yes. not very kind or rational, to right. say the least. And so, how do we? I mean, at least we can take walks in woods. We still have some of that. Well, it's it's the it's the th- Really, for me, it was understanding, okay, how much do I really need in my life? I don't need all this stuff. What I need is an ability to feed myself, have water, have air, shelter, but not that huge, and clothes because it gets a little cold sometimes. Clothes. And maybe community? <laughs> well, and that's part of it. But it's, it's as an individual, where do you start? Looking at those things, what you need, because our consumption rate is astronomical. We consume 40,000 pounds of raw material out of her each and every year as individuals. So cutting back on that, but also getting involved with others and supporting each other and looking at each other, how healthy are we physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually? And let's do something about that. And it's also maybe... Creating a new story. Here's a quote. The market economy story has spread like wildfire with uneven results for human well-being and devastation for the natural world. But it is just a story we have told ourselves. We are free to tell another story to reclaim the old one. And again, that's from um, Braiding Sweetgrass, Robin yep. Welkimer. Um, it's changed. Yeah, it's changing the narrative. Changing the narrative. Going beyond narratives. Yep. Finding a new language. <laughs> verbing. It's verbing. <laughs> verbing instead of nouning. Yes. And change your own narrative. Change your own narrative. That's what I had to do. Yeah. Continue. Continue. To be continued. This has been Food Freedom Radio on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. 